I found myself over the weekend, maybe you can relate to this, being all sorts of just, I am done with social media, but then at the same time being like, I can't get enough with it. Like, I'm done with it, but I'm on it all the time. And I heard somebody say this, and I was like, yep, this is exactly what I'm feeling. All the people I snoozed at the beginning of the pandemic life, it's been over 30 days, and they all came back. And so thus why I was already over social media this past weekend. It, it showed me that we have a, a group of, like, I am worried, and there's a group of people more worried about who we're going to snooze, and in turn, we start snoozing Jesus. We, we get worried about the people, like, I did this, where I was looking at people, I'm like, you claim the name of Jesus, but the way you're presenting yourself on social media, you're kind of snoozing Jesus, or on the flip side, like, you're, you're acting like you have such a big old social media game, like, I am super Christian. And yet behind the scenes, when the camera's off, you're kind of snoozing Jesus, snoozing Jesus off camera. I mean, think about that for a second. Think about, think about what we've been looking at over the last few weeks. We're in this series called New Normal. We're in Luke uh, chapter 9, Luke is one of the Gospels. There's four accounts of, of Jesus' life. And, and Luke talked to a bunch of people and, and, and wrote from eyewitnesses and wrote, wrote this account of, of Christ's life. We've been looking at that. We picked it up in chapter 9. And, and we, we looked at in week 1. We said that Jesus sends the 12 on, on mission. Are we snoozing Jesus? Are we on mission? Are we still praying for one? Are we still sharing the Gospel with our, with our loved ones? We looked, at, we looked at Herod, who's intrigued by Jesus, but he's also threatened by Jesus, and so he kind of puts on a, a casual search for Jesus. Are we snoozing Jesus? Are we seeking him as hard as we once were? And we looked at him feeding the 5,000. The disciples come with, with open hands. They give Jesus everything that they have, and, and then watch Jesus make it rain, fish and bread. Are we snoozing Jesus when we come closed-fisted? We're not coming open, open-handed. Last week, we looked at, looked at Jesus as, as a different type of king, a different type of Messiah, who's, who's going to establish his throne with not a, a political or an army, a, a takeover. He's going to establish his, his throne on the way to the cross. Are we snoozing Jesus by not living as if Jesus is a different type of king? Here's what I want you and I to see on this online experience. I want us to see that, that partial obedience is disobedience. I want us to see that, that partial sacrifice is, is no sacrifice at all. I want us to see that Christ died for us to have new life in him. He died so that we could take our old life, leave it at the cross, let it be dead at the cross, not to partially die to the old self so that we could live with Christ. Here's where Jesus goes now. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, and no, no, not all will come after Jesus, some will come after Jesus. And what's the focus of those coming after Jesus? It's just that they are focused on Jesus. Let him do what? Deny himself. So tied into the Christian faith is self-denial, is sacrifice. And let him take up his cross, how often? Daily. Jesus 
did not die for you so that you could give him one-seventh of your life. Sunday only, he died. He gave all of himself for all of you. And to do what? Follow me. Here's what I see in this passage. What, what I see right here at the beginning is that here's what a disciple of Christ must do. And, and when I say disciple, I simply mean a follower of Jesus Christ. Those following after Jesus. The first thing is, is to deny myself. Saying no to what my wants are. Saying no to my desires. Why? So I could say yes to Jesus. There are way too many things in life that, where I can't crave Jesus and crave the things of the world at the same time. So at some point, a craving is going to overtake the other craving. So I have to deny myself, deny my cravings that are not of God. God, why? Because I crave Jesus more. Deny myself and then take up my cross, which means I die to my agenda. How often? Always. The picture I got as, as, as I looked at this passage is, and what I read in one of the commentaries is that there are too many Christians not taking up their cross. Too many Christians that are good with this image of, of, of Christ having the cross on his back, going to that hill, that mountainside where he's going to hang on top of that mountain. And we as Christians have said yes to Jesus, the beauty of Christ. But we've opened up a Thanksgiving Day float. And we're parading ourselves behind Christ. Thanks, Jesus. Cool, Jesus. That'll boy, Jesus. Instead of following behind Jesus with our own cross to bear. And then to follow Christ, which that word follow literally in its most literal form means to go the same direction. To walk in the footsteps that as, as Christ plants his foot, as he makes a footstep, a footstep, a footstep, that I am literally walking in each footstep of Christ. I'm following every step he takes, I'm looking to stay, take. The way he lived, I'm looking to live. That I'm looking not to live my path, walk my path. I'm walk, looking to live a different path and, and, and go a different way. I'm looking to go the way of Christ. Here's our, our big thought for this online experience. What I think this passage is really getting at. Christ gave it all for it all. Christ gave his whole life for what reason? To have all of us. He doesn't want some of me. He didn't give all of his life. He didn't sacrifice some of his self for some of yourself. He gave it all. Why? He wants all of you. You are that important to him that he's not satisfied with just a little bit of you. He wants it all. And following Christ, giving our all to him, that's, this isn't like a, a fun message. Watch right now. Look at the top corner. Those views are probably dropping. <laughs> but this is a critical thing for you and I. And so because sacrifice is hard, because we don't like talking about these things, because this isn't an everyday conversation for you and I, what Christ will do from here on out is say, here are ways to stay motivated with, with such a hard uh, way of speaking. Christ gave it all for it all, and so we are to give it all. Why? Because, here's a, here's a motivating factor, because it's safe. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, will save it. When I, when I look at this, I have to ask this question. Is it, is it me first in, in, in my everyday life, or is it 
thinking of sacrifice. Me first or sacrifice? If we're comfortable in this world, can we really say that we're living differently? If we're comfortable in this world, are we living as Christ would want us to live? As I look around the world, either through the lens of social media or just walking out in everyday public, what I learn and what I see as I, as I, as I cling to the word of God is that this world is a lie. That this life is not life at all. This life is the facade of life. It's pseudo-life. Christ died, and then he rises again, and that is a life worth living. So for you and I, this life is a lie. I leave it at the cross. Why? Because in Christ I find true life. Leaving my old life at the cross, letting that life die, and embracing Christ Jesus is to embrace eternal life. A spiritual birth is necessary when we kill that old life. When we leave it at the cross, it leads then to living. And you and I will look around this world when we have Christ in our focus. And we will say, nothing in this life is worth it in comparison to Christ Jesus. There's a, a missionary, and I've shared about her before, uh, maybe a year and a half ago. I sh- we, had, we had coffee formerly Cafe Enigma, now the well. And uh, we had coffee there, and I, I can't say her name. I, can't, I don't even think I'm allowed to say what part of the country she's looking to serve in because it's one of those, one of those areas in the Middle East where if they were to Google her or find out her, her, her name that, and they found out what she was doing, they would literally kill her. She's going, she went to in a very extreme area. We're having coffee, and I'm, I'm hearing about what she's looking to do and how she's looking to invest into the city and, and, and bring the name of Jesus to a very Muslim country. I asked her about her parents. What do you, what do your parents, like you're a 23-year-old girl going to a place where you could very likely die. Like, what do your parents think? And she's like, well, they're not, they're not believers, and so they don't, they don't really understand. I'm trying to help them understand that God is calling me over here. This is the will of God for me to go over to this country. I'm trying to help them understand that if it's the will of God for me to go to this country, then going to this country is the safest place for me. Being here out of the will of God is not safe. Many of you are applying for schools right now. If the safe school that you're striving after is not the will of God, it's anything but safe. That safe job that you're trying to obtain, if it's not the will of God, it's anything but safe. That relationship that you find safety and security in, The relationship is not the will of God. The relationship is anything but safe and secure. Many of you are parents. God has entrusted you with kids for a time. There will come a time where you have to look at your kids and say, you are safer in God's hands than mine. And that all sounds so reckless. But when you consider God, God Almighty, the safest place to be is striving after him, following after him, and doing it his way. He goes on, give it all, be, 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 we, we, uh, Christ gave it all for it all. We do this because it's safe, but then secondly, we do this because, because it's profitable. He, he says this, for what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses or forfeits himself? 
Ask yourself this right now. As you look around, your, your TV, the people around you, the house that you're living in, the car that you're watching from, the beach chair that you're sitting in, whatever, whatever is in your periphery, what possibly, when you die, can you take with you? Nothing. The answer is obviously nothing. So you look around, nothing that is here, you can take none of it with you. So we're striving after so many things in this world that is in, in the scope of eternity, doesn't profit me one bit. When I compare everything that I'm looking at right now, nothing compares to Jesus. And so when I consider Jesus, and when I consider this world, is there any comparison? I can gain this whole world and lose my soul? That doesn't seem like a, pretty, a very good investment, does it? What I see here is, is a captivating environment. It's one of our core values here at Wellspring Church. We value a captivating environment. Why? Because we want to strive for excellence. We want to create environments where, where Christ is, is the focal point. Where, where we bring God, we give God our excellence and make famous the name of Jesus Christ. And so as I thought about this, this value for us, and I, as I see it here, are you and I more captivated by the world or Jesus? Or, or if we're captivated by the world, then we're going to try to gain the world. And for you and I, that is great loss. But if we're captivated by Jesus, we strive to gain Jesus and we find eternal joy. So what has your captivation? If it's Jesus, you'll find what's truly profitable. This is a scale I bought for $10 off of uh, Amazon. Two days, came to my house. You and I have spent most of our lives trying to balance life on, on a scale much like this. For many of us, we found that we were, we were trying to just to tip the scales in our favor. Do, 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 do. And hopefully the scales will, 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 will bend to over into our, into our favor. But we'll find that Christ calls for perfection and so that... that since that, we don't meet the standard of perfection, all, all the wrong in our life will never be outweighed by good when, when Christ calls for perfection. And so we, we, we get to the point where we're like, well, then I can't do it. And so we look to the rock of our salvation, Jesus Christ. We, 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 put, we put Jesus into the equation. We find that he, he tips the scale into, into our benefit. We, we look at everything this life has to offer and, and we say everything that we have done, good or bad, and we say, you know what? What it's come to is gaining Christ. We, we gain Christ and we have everything. We gain Christ and instantly we have all love. We have all acceptance. When we gain Christ, we have all mercy, all forgiveness. There's, there's nothing we can put in here to gain more of it because we've already gained Christ. Think, think about it this way. If you're familiar with the life of Jesus, when Jesus goes to, to the baptism, when, he, when he's baptized, which kind of launches his public ministry, you know what Christ says? What, what he hears from God Almighty? He hears, well done. 
He hears, well done at the beginning. This is my son whom I love. In the world's eyes, Jesus hasn't done anything yet. And yet, what does he hear from God Almighty? Well done, I love you. Guess what? For us, when we say yes to Jesus, we haven't done anything yet, but Jesus is looking at you saying, well done, I love you. You're mine. You have all love. You have all acceptance. What happened? Where do we go from having Christ and having, having everything that we need in Christ Jesus to now looking around and saying, I need the house. I need the upgrade. I need to redo my backyard. I need, to, I need the kids' schooling. I need the sports. I need the job. I need the car. I need all of this to, to make me happy. There is nothing you can add to the scale that's of greater worth than Jesus. We have to get to the end of ourselves and find truly that there is nothing in this world more valuable than Christ Jesus. To gain Christ is to gain what is truly profitable. So why do do churches talk about money? (laughs) because it's the, one of the last places that we let Jesus have control of. For many of us, money is, is a roadblock to too many followers of Jesus Christ. We get so consumed with, with financial things or financial security. We get so consumed with that that we lose sight of our greatest possession, Jesus Christ. Christ gave it all to have it all, or however we said it. Christ gave it all to have it all, and we do it because it's safe. We do it because it's profitable. But then we also, we give it all back to him. We give it all, we give all ourselves to him. Thirdly, because we will be acknowledged. He says this, whoever is ashamed of me and my words. So we think about Jesus' words. Do you think Jesus meant every word he said? I think so. So when Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father but through me. Did he mean it? Yep, every word of it. So it's not Jesus plus or, hey, Jesus is good for me. You do whatever, you do you. It's Jesus is the only way to God Almighty. That of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Jesus gave it all. And at one point, he will come back. And those that have not said yes to Jesus will face rejection. That is a sober warning. It's not, that's not also, keep in mind, that's not fun to say. But Jesus also walked this earth. Jesus willfully went through something because he loves you. He willfully went to the cross. Now, we have crosses dangling around, around our neck. We have crosses in our homes. We've lost sight of, of the gruesome nature of the cross. The Romans were professional killers. Jesus went to trial. He was beaten. He was scorched. His back whip ripped open. He's punched. He's spat upon. He has a crown of thorns bursting through his skull. He goes hanging on a cross naked. For all the crowd to see, hurling insults at him in front of his mom, left to die, a gruesome death. Why? Because he loves you. Because he cares about you. Because he knows that those that do not come to him to get to the Father will be rejected. And he will return. And there will be so many 
that loved the thought of Jesus and find out they were rejecting true Jesus. He died because you, your name matters to him. He knows you by name. My dad is a, is a tennis instructor. And uh, he, was, he, was, he was working out with Landon, teaching Landon. Uh, uh, Landon's been taking tennis lessons, and he, my dad was kind of taking it uh, next level. And uh, they were working on, on his backhand. And, uh, and I, was, I was on the other side of the court. I was returning, returning the balls. Uh, my dad and my son were on the other side. It was kind of a, a sobering moment to see my dad and my son working on tennis. And some really good shots. Landon was, Landon was doing excellent. And uh, my dad was working on his backhand. What my dad was saying was, uh, was you want to turn your back, and you want your dad on the other side. You want, you want to turn your back in a way where he can see the name on your back of the shirt. And then you want to come around, and you want to rip that shot right down the line. And as I was watching my dad and as I was watching my son, it gave me flashbacks to when my dad would work with me. And when, when my dad would work with me, it kind of had a different tone, dad. And uh, he would look at me and be like, oh, if I made a mistake on, on the sports field, he was like, is your name on the back of the jersey? And he would kind of taunt me a little bit. It would motivate me to, to live up to my family name and to be the athlete that my family says I, you know, I needed to be and whatnot. And I was the best athlete in my family, Jonathan and Justin. And, uh, and so like, it kind of gave me flashbacks to that, that my name matters. And as I sat there, I was like, you know what? And I know that my dad would say the same thing. I'm just kind of, you know, spoofing on my dad a little bit. But my dad would say the same thing. You know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if, if Landon's name represents the greatest backhand of all time. At the end of the day, as a parent, I want to know that my son's name is in the book of life, to use that terminology. At the end of the day, I wanted to make sure that my son's name is known by God Almighty. Here's the benefit of going verse by verse through the book of Luke. We're not skipping around. If we were skipping around, we're never preaching this passage. But, but for you and I, we don't have to wonder if God is going to reject us when Christ Almighty comes back. For you and I that have said yes to the name of Jesus, the rock of our salvation, guess what? Your name gets written in a book. It's called the Lamb's Book of Life, where, where all the people in this book that have said yes to Jesus get to enter into eternity with Jesus. So yes, this is bad news for those that want to die in rejection of Christ as mighty. But it's only bad news for those that will reject Jesus. No one's forcing it. Think about like, you're like, we know, how can a loving God reject people? Is he truly doing that? Or does he give us an option? To, to live as if there is no option, but only to say yes to Jesus. If he takes rejection off the table, then we only have one option, to embrace Jesus. But then we have to live a life with no options. Or he can force his love upon us. But when you force your love upon somebody, doesn't that lead to jail time? See, what Christ does is, is he says, you know, I understand that rejection is a possibility. Je rejection is what is absolutely going to happen to people that don't find their sins forgiven. So I'm going to walk this earth perfectly. And if people embrace me, rejection is off the table. So this is only bad news for those that would die saying no to Jesus. But it's great news for those that say yes to Jesus. So if you dislike the thought of rejection, do you dislike it enough to embrace Jesus? If you dislike the thought of rejection, do you dislike it enough to say yes to Jesus? And if you say yes to Jesus, here's the great news. You are acknowledged. Christ 
knows your name. There's no one on this earth that's worth being known by more so than Christ Jesus. The last thing, to give it all. Christ gave it all for it all. And the fourth thing here is that he gave it all. Why? Because it's for the kingdom. We are to give it all because it's for the kingdom. But I tell you truly that there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Now, grammatically, this is a little bit of a confusing passage. But here's, in essence, what, is, what, what Jesus is driving at. This is a, a not yet type passage. And so what that means is that Christ is going to die. He's going to live again. Then he's going to rise up into heaven. And in that moment, a few days later, the Holy Spirit is going to come and erupt the church. And as Jesus is ascending into heaven, as they know the Holy Spirit is coming to erupt the church, the disciples there are confused. Jesus, is this when you're establishing the kingdom of Israel? No, 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 no. I'm coming back. So Jesus has established his kingdom, but we're kind of in this period where we're waiting for Jesus to finally establish it. It has been established because it's God. We have the Holy Spirit. He's launched the church. We're building his kingdom. And Christ is coming back to put the finishing touches on it. And so what we have here is a focus. What do we do as we wait? We focus on the kingdom. We live as citizens of the kingdom. We live as if we are foreigners here waiting for the world, the life that is truly the life to come. We, this world should be as uncomfortable as we live as foreigners, as we see ourselves here on earth passing through to eternity. Now, I, in the last three years, have had two temporary people live in my house. We've birthed some kids, and they have a permanent spot in my house. But then we have this guest bedroom that we've let Jordan and Noah live in. They are temporary. And so they treat the house, and they see the house differently. They're holding a spot. Do they have to worry about the mortgage? Nope. They're just passing through. Do they, do they worry about building an addition to their room to make it an even bigger room? Nope, they're passing through. Are they a third parent in my house? No, my kids have two parents. They don't have to parent my kids. Nope, they're just passing through. Do they worry if there's mold in the crawl space? Nope, because by the time that becomes an issue, they will be gone. They are just passing through. So what do healthy people do when something is temporary? Well, first, we don't give it tons of thought. Secondly, we know it won't last long, and so we treat it as such. When it comes time, to, if this is a temporary situation, and I get some money, am I going to buy a nice hot tub, or am I going to upgrade the AC unit? Well, if it's a temporary location, then I'm probably going to buy the hot tub because that's a lot of fun. And we sell it when it no longer fits our purposes, because after all, it's temporary. What do healthy people do when something is permanent? They treat it well to make it last. They invest into the long-lasting upgrades. When it comes time between the hot tub or the AC unit, they probably pick the AC unit because that is something that will have a lasting impact. If something is seen as permanent, you fix it, you invest into it, and you make it better. Why? Because it needs to last and you want it to last. We need to stop treating God's kingdom as temporary. We need to start seeing this world as temporary. 
We need to start living as disciples, as followers of Jesus Christ, as if this is not our home. And this world, as we grow in Christ Jesus, as we build our life, as Carly was singing, as we build our life in Christ Jesus, this should feel less and less like home. So what, what have we, we said today? We said that Christ gave it all for it all. He gave it so we can give it all because it's safe. We can give it all because it's profitable. We can give it all because we will be acknowledged by God Almighty. We can give it all because it's all for the kingdom. Following Christ Jesus, growing in Christ Jesus is a full-time job. It's not a part-time job. It's not a weekend hobby. Jesus did not die for one-seventh of you. He died for all of you every single day of the week. So we take up our cross daily. There are no sick days. There are no vacations. There are no summer breaks. This is something that we're always doing. We're always children of God. So following Jesus requires a new way of thinking. It requires us to pick up our cross, go against the cultural grain and as a disciple follow the path of Jesus it means more than heaven it means when Christ reaches into us in our lowly bodies he's looking to transform us as citizens of his kingdom to be like his glorious body Christ died to do a work in you are you letting him do a work in you are you looking to be transformed by Christ Jesus and so that's our challenge this week our challenge this week is, is, to, is to do the Growing in Christ reading plan. What we're going to do this afternoon, oh, we're going to email out that plan. The online host is also going to drop a link in the comment section. The YouVersion app has this five-day reading plan uh, through young, young Life where you, you read a little bit of a devotional, you read a little bit of scripture, and then together, as we do this all together, we can go into the comments and, and, and be people that, that encourage one another to grow in Christ Jesus, to sacrifice when it's getting hard, to give all to Jesus Christ, to grow in Christ. We're going to start this on Monday. Uh, if you're watching this on Sunday, that's tomorrow. And if not, you'll see the link and you can do this on your own. The, a new normal that does not normalize growing in Christ Jesus is not a new normal that we should pursue. And so my question to leave you with is what do you need to lay down for the cause of Christ? Thank you for checking out a sermon recorded right here at Wellspring Church in Tom's River. If it's your first time connecting with us, we'd love to stay connected with you. So don't forget to like and subscribe to this video. And then down in the description box below, there's ways to give online. There's our social media accounts. We'd love to stay connected with you throughout the week. We love and appreciate you, and we hope you have a fantastic week.